Hi, I'm Lucy Adams from Disruptive HR. Welcome to one of our podcast series where you'll hear from HR practitioners who are genuinely doing things differently. If you're looking to change your HR practices, then why not check out the Disruptive HR Club? It's got tons of videos, webinars and downloadable guides that will give you all the ideas and practical help you'll need. Check it out at www.disruptivehr.club. Hello and welcome to another podcast from Disruptive HR and today I'm absolutely delighted to welcome Esther Wallington who is the Chief People Officer at HMRC. Hi Esther, how are you doing? Hi Lucy, Um, very well thank you. Oh great, well look we're obviously in lockdown at the moment. It's interesting to me because I think you know when we think of key workers, frontline workers, we always tend to think of people in the healthcare sector or food delivery drivers, that kind of thing. But of course, your guys, your organisation have been working unbelievably hard over the last few months and are really part of that kind of frontline effort uh, to support people during lockdown, during COVID. Can you just give us a bit of an insight into what your guys and the people within HMRC have been doing over the last few months? Yes, absolutely. Delighted to. I mean, HMRC is normally thought of um, through a sort of single lens, isn't it? But uh, our role is to help people pay the right amount of tax, but also to claim the right financial support that people are entitled to. And most of our work goes on helping people through um, education, through really well-designed systems, and then only stepping in when there's a risk of tax not being paid. So we're already um, pretty well set up for um, some of the things that we've been doing uh, that people, lots of people will know a huge amount about since we entered into um, uh, crisis management. So we've set up, uh, it would be very visible to people that we've uh, set up, established from scratch, the job retention scheme systems and and, and processes. So we've been paying furloughed workers. We've also uh, set up the self-employed scheme. and We've also been uh, supporting our customers with um, statutory sick pay support. So a huge amount of work um, right from the outset on getting these schemes up and running. We've done that with a number of our people coming into the office, so we've always had a number of people working in in our offices, but the vast majority of our people, around 75% of our people, have been able to work from home. Uh, we stepped that up very, very quickly. So having gone from an organisation where a third of us at any one time could work from home, we can actually now have all of us working from home um, on the technology. So a massive shift in how we work and establishing our establishing uh, the schemes that the Chancellor announced um, quickly and getting financial support out to people. And just to give us a sense of scale, how many people work for HMRC? So we've got around 65,000 people um, employed in HMRC, largely focused on customer services. So people that you speak to when you phone us and around sort of half our people uh, working in compliance activities. 
And how much notice did you have? I mean, obviously there was all sorts of planning going on, but was the Chancellor's announcement a bit of a surprise to HMRC or did you have a longer lead time? We work incredibly closely with colleagues in the Treasury. And so the design of the schemes and um, when policy decisions are being made in the Treasury, um, the operability of those are, are heavily influenced by HMRC. So as the Chancellor's taking civil service advice, um, HMRC is very much part of that. So we were we were certainly involved in what could be made operable in these schemes when they yeah. were announced. And then, you know, really, we worked within weeks to get them set up, to get the technology in place, which we did from scratch, um, to understand um, the customers uh, that we'd be working with and to make sure that the policies and processes were in place to make sure that we had maximum compliance. And other HR directors that I've spoken to have, have talked about the fact that things that perhaps would have taken months or even years in some cases you know there's been this just this rapid turnaround the ability to to cope with the pace of change that that was obviously unprecedented and has that been your experience that you know sort of things that would have would have typically had a much longer lead time stakeholder involvement just lots of discussion debate approvals papers going to boards that all of that would just suddenly gone and actually people were able to move really fast. When I was reflecting on what's been different and, and what, what's mattered and what hasn't mattered, some of the things that um, I would pull out probably very consistently with other, with colleagues of, in other organisations, extensive collaboration and checking processes and approvals and engagement right across the organisation in design, um, a lot of that has just disappeared. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, needed to do things incredibly quickly and you know largely speaking it's worked I mean I've noticed that in in general HMRC business but also as the head of HR in the organization HR is normally a very collaborative function who you know we spend a lot of time making sure that everybody's very happy with the sorts of things that we want to do and yeah. and, and, and making sure that down to every every one of our internal customers, we are delivering the thing that everybody wants. Actually, what we found in HR is we probably do know best uh, about some of these things. And so we've just launched new services. We have responded very, very quickly with the right sort of policies. And overwhelmingly, the organization's been absolutely delighted that we have just got on with it. And the same goes for on a sort of bigger scale across HMRC. None of these services could have been delivered if we'd gone through the usual sort yeah. of processes that we would go through. Yeah. Now, pre-COVID, having worked with you over a couple of years, obviously aware that HMRC was already interested and curious from the HR side about doing things differently, looking at innovation, bringing in new ways of, of, of doing HR and delivering HR. Could you just give the listeners a, a couple of examples of the things that perhaps you were particularly proud of that you were already doing? So we've been we've been on a big push to shift the way we use data about colleagues and help colleagues participate in some of the ways we want to provide services to them, um, help people um, shift the way they take responsibility for their careers, involve people in a in a much more interactive way to create the sort of working environment that we want in HMRC. So we've done quite a bit of work over recent years, really 
building, user design, um, sort of much more sort of IT program management type disciplines into HR to really create a better way of helping people do their best work to create the sort of working environment we want to, but also help people connect uh, more easily with learning and um, career opportunities. So we've had a sort of big push. We've still got a long way to go on it. We've got, you know, there's a lot of technology um, changes we need to make. We need to do a lot on our data architecture. Um, and we, you know, there are, we still have some quite old fashioned processes, like lots of functions uh, that we're trying to move our way through and try and remove some of these slightly old fashioned, very low value activities that we do to yeah. really put things more in the hands of managers and individuals. And what would you say are the things that this crisis has, has has brought into kind of sharp relief where you you as a team have started to think actually now is an opportunity that we don't just go back to normal when uh, people start to come back into the office or perhaps more normal rhythms of working begin to reappear but actually, this is an opportunity to do things really differently. We've been using the expression uh, disruptive HR around better normal. And what would you say would fall into that category for you? Things that you think either you could stop doing or that you want to do really differently? So I um, I mean, there's been some of the traditional labour intensive processes that we've just pushed to one side and I think there's a big question for us about why we push those to one side so the end of year you know quite cumbersome end of year processes that we still have for the most senior people in HMRC I mean actually for the majority of HMRC we've removed that annual system but it still exists for the most senior people so there's a question mark for us about why we didn't think that was an absolute priority. It's fascinating that isn't it you know it's like if these things helped you to do stuff better more easily more quickly you'd be crying out for them wouldn't you as a leader and the fact that they're the one of the first things to go in a crisis that does raise that question why do we were we doing them in the first place absolutely and there, there will be so many things like that that I think we will reflect on there's a few things that I think have been absolutely core to us and I think they really start to form the basis of how we operate so one of these is values Another is the sort of changing nature of the environment we work in and the the role HR has played in that. And then the final one, which I really want to talk about, is um, managers and the role of managers. And let me just talk through some of the some of the things I've observed. So, first of all, this has been a people crisis first, and we have treated it as such in HMRC. The absolute first commitment we've made in all of this is towards our own people and making sure that people are supported in terms of their health, in terms of their uh, emotional well-being. We've absolutely recognised that lots of our people are working under very, very unusual circumstances, like people right across the country. Some of those people are in, coming into offices, as I said, but others uh, others working from home with everything, all the sort of richness of the home environment at the moment. <laughs> That's so one way of putting it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we're sort of really aware and conscious that people are are working on goodwill, largely. I mean, I've quite often said, it's not always popular, but I've quite often said that all of our people are volunteers. Um, We do (laughs) pay them, but everybody volunteers, everyone's choosing to come to work for us. And so we need to make sure that people feel respected and well looked after by us. 
now more than ever. So this sort of absolute anchor of our sort of core values in HMRC, we have a set of commitments to one another. And these have absolutely gone like sort of they've, they've flowed through everything we've done. And I have seen differentiation across different organizations based on values. And quite often organizations have sets of values and it, and it can be hard to tell what role they play. Um, but during absolutely. times like this, yeah, during I mean over the during the last few months we have we've gone back to those values and those commitments a lot to decide whether we're doing the right thing. Could you give us an example of, of one of those? So some of the things we've been doing on well-being, some policy choices we've made about how we'll support people with special paid leave, the flexibility we've given to people about taking annual leave, all of these sorts of things where different organisations have made very different choices about how people work. But we've gone back to our sort of core values and the core commitments we've made to one another, um, sort of at the heart of which has been being fair, kind and human. And that was a commitment that we developed across our organisation, involved thousands of colleagues across the organisation to develop these last year. And we've, we've gone back to those through quite a bit of our policy making, but also when thinking about where do we, in HR in particular, where do we put our effort? Um, is it on processes or is it on supporting people and making sure that how we're communicating with one another and some of the choices we're making through this are fair, kind and human. And it's been a really brilliant test for us to use as we've gone through that. I love that. And, and I think this kindness is kind of making a comeback, isn't it? You know, as a result of the crisis, actually this sense of compassion, kindness, warmth, rather than it being seen as something that's a bit fluffy and a bit, um, you know, something that, yeah, you might do it, you know, sort of fun times during the year actually as a, as a as a core relationship underpin with your people kindness i think is is no longer something that feels a little bit uncomfortable for managers but is a is something that they they're sort of doing almost automatically and we've seen some brilliant things. I mean, we have we use Yammer as a um, for social networking within our organisation. And some of the things that we've, I mean, we've done lots centrally, as you'd expect. But some of the things that are coming up from teams, people who don't know one another, um, commenting on Yammer about their own well-being and other people rushing in to support people from right across the organisation. They won't um, know one another very often. These sort of new communities that are spring up and and a sort of mutually supportive yeah. i i've never seen anything like it um yeah. in in a sort of reasonably long career in hr i i think that there's a massive opportunity that we can build on from this of sort of support and is it something for you that managers have needed direction on or actually have you provided extra support or is this something that you almost kind of want to bottle the, the stuff that they're doing already? I, I mean, I, I said I would want to come back to managers. I mean, when I look at the, when I stand back and looking at this, I really think managers are going to be the unsung heroes or hopefully, or maybe not unsung, but the heroes in all of this. I, mm. Lots of organisations have talked about the sort of breaking down of hierarchies through all of this, particularly um, as we're all working remotely. But we haven't been able to make big corporate decisions about everything we've done. We've put far more in the hands of managers um, than we would have done in the past, and I'm sure other organisations are saying the same. And our managers have absolutely stepped up to it. They are 
leading this organization. I think it's absolutely fantastic. And I mean, I don't know if we going into this, if we would have felt that organizational sense of trust. I hope mm. we would. But, you know, when you look back on it and you look at the choices managers are making and the support they're providing their people, I it's one of the things I feel most proud of. So centrally, we have provided um, some support. We um, put a lot of tools online to help managers and we have sort of quite a few nudges. But actually, in the main, our managers have got on with it. They're supporting people. They're finding their own ways in their own teams of checking in and keep and making sure that people are safe and that they can perform their role in the way that we expect them to and want them to. Yeah. Um, there's a big, huge amount of flexibility. I think it's been absolutely fantastic. And as an HR function, as senior leaders and consultancies, we're always focusing on leaders. And we spent a lot of time on capability of leaders over couple of decades now and um, we've certainly continued to invest in that during this crisis but actually for me it's the sort of it's the basics of good line management that has carried us through this. That's really great to hear and as you say it's that kind of how do we not then go back to perhaps more more of the less trusting approaches of managers but in, instead allowing them to do things in a way that works for them that meets their style of, of management but ultimately is, is them responding to the needs of their people in the moment absolutely and you know our customers we've had um, really high really positive comments back from customers about how we've worked with them over uh, over the last few months and some of this is sort of policy driven of course and and some of it is the the tone we're setting within HMRC but a huge amount of that will be down to local managers just keeping the quality of those interactions with customers really really high um, and supporting people to do that. Fantastic. And um, finally, you talked about the kind of changing nature of work. And, and do you envisage that there will be some fundamental changes as a result of this? Not not obviously the obvious ones around, you know, for the next few months, possibly a year or so, there's going to be uh, difficulties with going back into the office. But are there are there some things that you've learned through this that you think we absolutely need to change the way that we that we work I mean it's so profound isn't it the changing nature of it I just the sort of physical environment the digital environment we're working in this behavioral environment that we're working in there's so many different factors to this that we need to understand and so within HMRC we've been largely an office-based organization we haven't generally had a huge amount of flexibility for lots of our people in how they do their work obviously that is very very different at the moment we're spending some time working through what the impact of that has been so impact on well-being impact on business performance for us and trying to understand what works well what hasn't worked well so that we can start looking by role and activity about how we think things could be better and different in mm. the future. And we want to do that in quite a slow and considered way. We don't want to rush to conclusions about it because we know that some things have worked incredibly well and some things aren't working so well. And we need to, we need to understand that not just in a crisis, yeah. we need to understand how some of the lessons from this can um, will play through into perhaps a more normal, however new that normal is, but a sort of a, a different normal working environment. So we're working through that quite 
slowly, but I see massive opportunities. I mean, I think this has profoundly changed people's quality of life in many ways, and often in positive ways, sometimes in quite negative ways. And we absolutely recognise that. So we want to work through how we can take the best of this, but but while supporting people as they come back. We have seen, I think, some extremes in some sectors a little bit based on need, a little bit based on attraction strategies, no doubt, a little bit based on dogma. I think as an HR function, we need to be quite careful as we go through this to make sure that we are, we're not leaping to massive changes without really understanding what some of the impacts on people are. Mm. I think that HR is going to play an absolutely critical role in this in ways that um, perhaps we haven't always in the past. I think this is going to be our sort of core, uh, one of our core priorities over the next year to understand this and and help organisations, help our organisations make the right choices as we go through it. Esther, that's fantastic. Thank you so much for, I know how busy you are right now, so for making the time to do this podcast with us and for for sharing your insights. And and just a big thank you, actually. You know, HMRC are, you talked about unsung heroes, but actually I think, you know, they, they the, the speed with which uh, people have been able to access the support, I think has been phenomenal. So as a, as a small business owner myself, a big thank you. Thank you, Lucy. All right. Thanks for listening to this podcast. For more resources to help you change HR, check out the Disruptive HR Club at www.disruptivehr.club.